Hey, howdy folks. Welcome to Sketchy Conversations with John Melson IV. On this episode, I'm chatting with Shaka Malik of Burn and Orange 9mm. Okay, let me tell you how this interview was a long time in the making. All right, about 2010, I was heavy on Twitter. Still kind of am, you know. I'm just me being a mid to late 20s goofball and everything and just having fun, right? I would live tweet Monday Night Raw. In fact, uh, my buddy Daryl and I will basically be like a, the black version of Walter and Stadler of the Muppet Show, pretty much. I ended up following a shit ton of wrestlers, right? And one I started following was a wrestler by the name of Montel Vontavious Porter, a.k.a. MVP. And what happened was, you know what? He plays the gimmick well because, you know, until I got to know him, I didn't know anything in common. You know, shares a link to a thrash band, right? Whose name I can't remember. So I was like, yo, you like thrash? He said, hell yeah. I was like, oh, shit. Okay, cool. And then he mentions his love for Japanese wrestling. And I'm like, oh, shit. And some other things, too. So then he mentions his love for hardcore punk. Like, he loves Bad Brains and also Steely Dan. But that's... And Fishbone, which kind of makes sense. So... What happened was we ended up really just kind of shooting the shit and just uh, kind of chatting. In fact, it was my first interview on um, my old website, getupandrocker.com. The, the, the interview was around there somewhere. You know, I got to find it, though. He asked an interesting question. Does anybody have the whereabouts of Shaka Malik of the band Orange 9mm and Burn? I had no idea how difficult it was to find Shaka Malik. Like, I just hit up on my buds, you know, in that scene. I was like, hey, you seen Shaka? You seen Shaka? Like, nah, man. Hey, where is he? I was like, I thought you would have known. You're up in New York. And I'm like, oh, holy shit. I shouldn't have shot my mouth off. And then one day, out of nowhere, under named Ghost Decibels, Ghost underscore Decibels, Shaka Malik pops up. And, it's, you know, and MVP says, hey, yo, I just found Shaka Malik. And I'm like, you're kidding me. I've been looking for like five years. So we connect and everything. You know, Shock is pretty cool, dude. So then we ended up uh, following each other on Instagram and we ended up talking everything, right? Here I am chatting with Shaka Malik of Orange 9mm and Burn. Check it. So how's it looking in New York? Are you recording yet? Yeah, I'm recording. You're recording me living in New York right now? Is that, are you a peeping Tom? What's what's happening right now? Hey. What the hell is happening right now? Ay, ay, ay. How's New York? Shit, I mean, I don't, you've been here before. It's New York, New York, man. I mean, shit's different with, with you know, coronavirus, the lockdowns, but uh, motherfuckers are resilient and uh, I have a positive mindset. How are things in Maryland? You know, looking pretty solid, actually. Just kind of like, you know, like a blue skies out here 61 degrees just pretty chill you know cool so how'd you get into hardcore i got into hardcore kind of via accident uh i was watching my little sister my little sister sprayed some oven cleaner in her eye i had to take her to the hospital when we got to the hospital i borrowed my mother's music player uh, was flipping through the dials, found uh, like a college station. I was playing something, a kind of music I'd never heard before. Kept listening, uh, heard Minor Threat that afternoon, uh, liked that. Then I heard an advertisement for a show uh, all called Crucial Chaos. And now this, the radio station was um, NYU, I think 89.1, maybe, maybe the station. 
uh, and it was a new afternoon show. But the show that really turned me on to hardcore was Crucial Chaos with Spermicide and Johnny Stipp as the host. And it came on uh, Thursday evenings from 9 to 10-ish or something like that, maybe. I don't know. But definitely Thursday. Yeah. How about you? How'd you get into hardcore? How did I get into hardcore, actually? Slowly. That was a slow process because I was more into punk, if anything, right? And kind of similar how you found out, you know? In what sense? Well, it's kind of one of the things you stumble upon it, though. Like, I was really more into punk, if anything, you know? I got stuff a little... I got into, like... I'll put it this way. When I was younger, you know, first time I heard, like, punk was, like, Sex Pistols and American... And the movie American Pop, actually, right? And even when you're like, a, I was like a kid, like maybe three or four, I was like, yo, I'm not sure what that is. That looks, that looks that sounds cool as hell right now. So it just kind of like slowly grew to me, you know? Nice. So, you know, it's one of those kind of deals and everything. But one thing that was extremely about hardcore was it feels like there's two different waves. And all right, one of my buds has been trying to figure this out and I don't have an answer. So I feel you would though. Okay. How did hardcore go from... You know, bands like Crowd, Reagan Youth, and False Prophets to break down Judd and Sick of It All. Yeah, I mean, how how did how did we end up with uh, skinny jeans from the wide leg, you know, uh, cross colors of the '90s? You know, it's it's all it, it music fashion. It's all a reflection of the times, and I think so. Then, so Chaka, how does this tie into the question? It ties into the question in the sense that, you know, the starting point, you know, for skinny jeans or, you know, wide 90s pants is streetwear, you know, uh, and expressive streetwear. And, and, and you know, the germ for, from the Reagan crowd, Reagan youth to sick of it all breakdown is the punk aesthetic. Now, the punk eventually became hardcore because we started, I think, in my estimation, to own more of a punk attitude, but express it in a way that made that coincided better with our urban environment and some of the inspirations that we kind of had coming through the boom boxes of our time. So we weren't really listening to rock. We were listening to more dance music. Um, and you'll see a lot of that. The, the hard political hardcore is a lot less kind of frenetic off the bat than punk. It relies more on a head nod factor and and, a, and a, a more clear accentuation of the one, you know, than a lot of punk, which is kind of just, it could be anything, you know, it could be thrash, which almost, it doesn't matter if there's a one or not in thrash. It's just like, versus, you know I mean? Those are, those are two different ways of expressing, you know, I'm fed up, I'm anxious, uh, I'm not following all your rules or whatever, or whatever the thing is that makes you, kind of gravitate towards, you know, the punk rock of your day. So I, I think that answers that. Actually, it makes a lot of sense, you know, okay, so that makes sense there, you know? Because I was thinking, when I hear, like, a lot of, like, New York hardcore, I always felt it kind of coincided with, like, old school rap, a very similar kind of syncopated beat, though. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering, was, like, a, was like an unconscious influence there, or... Was conscious influence? Oh, word? Yeah, I mean, that's, this, that's what you come from. I was freestyling on the streets before I was ever in a punk band, you know, and, and a lot of other, you know, cats and queens and bad balls and, and, and those people, you know, the, 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 the urban music is the first language, you know what I mean? 
So you ended up in hardcore rather than being somebody hardcore ending up in, you know, with the, you know, uh, having a tattoo in their face and being in a, a, a hip hop group. You know, you start, you know, you start with the normal shit for your environment, which for us, it was hip hop. And so that naturally brought that experience, you know, in, into how we express. And, and even like, even like you have the band crazy, there was also, there was already a bit of quote unquote funk allowed in the music. You know, by the time I was in the mix, you know, there was, you know, and none of those bands are really, I think, and I'm not a big funk person. It's a weird thing for me. Uh, I like, I don't like, let me explain this better. Um, I like funk when it's punk. Um, being funk to get applause, I don't, I mean, this doesn't even make any sense to anybody but me right now, but I love punky funk. This doesn't, this is craziness, but I have to, no, I have to fuck up. I have to finish this fucking thought. All right. I'll put it like this. Like you have a group like Parliament Funk and Dalek. Yes. Throughout their entire catalog of music, you'll find stuff that seems cheesy to you today, but it'll seem hot to you in five years. But it's just because the times have changed. Sometimes, like Gogo, take Gogo for just sometimes Gogo sounds hard as shit. Yes, sometimes it does. Gogo, you know, some, and sometimes, you know, five years later, Gogo sounds like, you know, we need, we want to take a break from Gogo. The same way I'll take a break from reggae a lot. You know, and then I'll go back to the root shit or I'll find some pincher shit that'll get me stoked or something. I mean, I'm, I'm the same way with every kind of music. You know what I mean? So I think that, and funk is one of those things that oftentimes you're, you're trying to be funky. It's almost like a look at, it's like the, it's like the Instagram before Instagram, you know, you're asking for likes with your funk level of funk. You know, I don't know. I never, I, I just, I don't like music like that. I like music that just happens to be funky. You know what I mean? Like, and like the Parliament Funkadelic records for me that don't sound cheesy, quote air quotes, are the ones that sound more truly expressive and just happen to be funk than literally trying. That's why people hate the slap bass sound. Boom, 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 boom. You know what I mean? Like in the guitar center. You know what I mean? Not because it's not an amazing sound, it's just because like it's just, I don't know. It's been beat to It's been beat to shit. The crazy part about it is I get exactly what you mean, you know? Like, Okay, in the One Nation Under a Groove album, I'll never forget when they made a nod to punk rock in there. Like this, there was mm -hmm. so like Brian Dexter's like punkadelic. So I'm like, okay, so somebody in there is hip, especially George Clinton. You know, hello, mm -hmm. George Clinton had a fucking mohawk before it was like really a punk rock thing. You know, dude, well, George Clinton is punk as fuck, dude. Oh, absolutely. He to George Clinton. I mean, that guy. I mean, you know, exactly. I mean, you know, and, and, and you know, props to his his mental because, um, and Jay Z has a lyric, um. Um, something, something you talk about being Bobby Brown to be Bobby, then you got to be Bobby now. And think about some all the shit that George Clinton has gone through, you know, in his life. And uh, I mean, to get, we don't have those records without each and every bit of uh, mental exploration and, and shit, ups and downs that any artist has gone through. So, you know, shouts, shouts to, shouts to everybody. Absolutely. Like when I think about it, I totally get what you mean, though. There's like a difference between Earth, Wind, and Fire, Astro Brothers, and Funkadelic. Because, Boom. I mean, like, think about it. to me, Funkadelic, they were like experimental music, you know, with a groove, with a one. And it happened to be funky. Exactly. You know, like, I'll put it this way here's the parallels. I always saw, because don't forget, Funkadelic, they were doing shows with Iggy Pop, Iggy and the Stooges, you know? Right. So mm -hmm. it had that kind of feel of like, yo, this is some other shit right here. In a crazy ass way, 
they Funkadelic could easily be retconned to Black Shock Rock. You know what's crazy? I, I don't know if I've really ever heard that shock shock rock term before, but I instantly know what you mean. I actually like. I mean, like think of I mean stuff like okay, going back to the going back to the old school, like guys like Screaming Jay Hawkins, um, Screaming Lord Such, um, Arthur Dude, Brown. Shock rock. Yeah. Oh my god, I love shock rock. Um, Guar, because to me, Guar was like a white oh, funkadelic, pretty much. God. Alice Cooper, Kiss, kind of sort of. Marilyn Manson. There was a whole thing in the '90s, pretty much, when it was trying to be outrageous and stuff, you know. So there you go. So yeah, we call it like shock rock, and just always saw it that way. Because I mean, you ever see the video for Kazakh Slop, like the short film they made for it? The video for who? The video for for Cosmic Slop, the Funkadelic movie back in the seventies. I don't know. I don't know if I have. I'm I'm infatuated by Shock Rock because that just makes a lot of fucking sense to me right now. I guess you can toss the mentors in there too. See, the thing about it is, I mean, like when you start, and this is now 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 Shock Rock starts to sound like bad funk. Not that the mentors are great, but I think that like there's something about looking at Shock Rock actively. Rather than looking at shock rock as a as a phenomenon, shock rock is boring to me. True, because I'll put it this way: once you get used to it, it's kind of like, okay, where do you go next? You know. So like, that's what, that's what I'm saying. So that's what I'm saying. But if you were thinking about thinking about shock rock to what it would be today, if it was good, right? That'd be hard to do. I guess you know the closest thing about it, but also the idea of shock rock. What surprising shocks people? Like, okay, so I think shock shock rock just says shock rock. I think just gives an artist an opportunity to uh, include performance elements that otherwise might not be uh, relevant in a, th- in a stage environment. Pretty so much. I think, it, I think it gives the artist some license to wild the fuck out. Absolutely. That was the point of it, though, you know? And also Alice Cooper, too. I can't forget Because when that. I think about shock rock, I think about people trying to do something to me, right? Trying to, like, bah! like and For me, like, that's not a... That's, like, bad funk now. But shock rock... From a, like you know what I think the, the for me the two ultimate shock rockers would have to be Prince and Bowie. Actually, definitely there because you know I'll put it this way: when it comes to it, you know that's when you get to the glam rock territory, especially for Bowie. See, but I don't see glam rock now. We're in, in an area that that now I'm not as excited about glam rock, shock rock. Yeah, I like shock rock. I'm just I'm so specific. People get annoyed at me sometimes. That's cool. I'm very semantic. I'm with you. I'm I'm very similar. I'm very similar. You know, I'll put it that way. You know, I, I'm just intrigued that you brought up Gogo and didn't think about the. Uh, what would you call them? Because I, I don't want to say pop punk. That's a diss. That's a diss to them. You know, all girl punk band from the from the '80s. You know, I'm surprised. Gogo band, the '80s band. Yeah, I'm surprised because I'm surprised you brought the DMV style of Gogo. Actually, you know. Wait, so the Go-Go's were trying to be a Go-Go band? No, 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 no. Let me rephrase that. I was trying to be witty. That failed immensely. What I was saying was, I'm surprised that I didn't explain what Go-Go was to you. I'm just glad that, you know, you brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. That was actually pretty cool, you know. And but truth be told is, but yeah, you're right. It's like how different genres evolve. Like, you know, like you go from Young Centers to Soul Searchers to now, right? And the sound has definitely changed completely, you know? Yeah. And it's like, shit, there's not even, even that much Congo's more Timbali from what I notice, you know? Uh-huh. 
So I've always wondered. So since so it was um, okay. So Go Go ever was was popular like in New York New York punk community. I'm just curious. Well, it was just it was just kind of it was one of those things on the periphery that um, was available. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily huge. There was a couple of pop 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 me up. Like pop, that pop. song was got used. Um, there was some there was some bambata infused up in the Bronx. Wow, I keep saying that up in the Bronx. I said that when I I did had Sergio on my app with me show. And he's mentioned that he was in the Bronx. I was like, up in the Bronx for the people of Fresh. There was one DJ. His name was, I think it was AJ, something like that. AJ. Uh, but anyway, um, Africa Bambada was employing, and Cool Herc and them were employing some of that stuff, some weird Caribbean stuff. Not weird, but some Caribbean stuff that might not have been heard if you weren't from the Caribbean. Um, and I think that the go-go kind of made its way onto that kind of, into that neighborhood. Um, it was, I mean, there were some go-go songs that were breakdance records, uh, like the Trouble, uh, Trouble Funk was probably the biggest, the, the most well-known of those bands. Absolutely. You know, um, go ahead. No, no, I, I just, I, oh, you said go ahead, I just said, but I was like, absolutely, because, you know, the funny thing about it was, you know, bands like Trouble Funk, you know, punks really fuck with them. Like, for example, Minor Threat's last show was open for Trouble Funk. The audience didn't get it, but you know, Trouble Funk got it. You know, um, mm-hmm. hell, I think um, I want to say Big Boys did a cover of a Trouble Funk song too. They toured with Fishbone. Um, mm-hmm. They were called cool, the Bad Brain, so you know, I know they got it. You know, hell, actually, I remember like a Big Tony's birthday bash in 2014. Um, it was a funk punk night. What you had was you had Dave Grohl, uh, Doctor No, Daryl Jennifer, Pete Stahl, um, Doc Knight, May rest in peace. Um, just rocking out under the name that don't need it. And I got to tell you, I've never seen, you know, I put it this way, Dave Grohl's playing like, yeah, I know I'm the rich rock star now, but I'm still like the dude that was in Scream. I'm going to basically show I haven't lost a step, you know? And then next thing, you know, Foo Fighters close out the night, you know, because they're doing like a dry run thing. But one thing about it is like, for example, on the song um, by Chromax, We Gotta Know, I always thought like the beginning, like, you know, like, duh, duh, like, you know, and Mackie Jason on drums, it always sounded like they were trying to do something that sounded like you're in a trouble funk song to me at least. Yeah, because that one's in gonna bum bum bum. Yes, bum, that that's a bit tr- go go ish. Very. Matthew's from the BX, so that totally that totally ties exactly to what I'm saying. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Okay, so you know, also I remember the first time I really saw you was in a documentary Afro Punk. Um, you were featuring that one, right? That's correct. All right. So, what were what were the taping? What were the interviews like for that? I mean, I know what my interview was like. I don't, I wasn't. Well, yours. What was my interview like? Yeah, like what was it like? You well, know? I guess you, people can go see it either. You can rent or own or whatever it is. The movie. I think that my segment is on YouTube somewhere. But it was cool. I mean, James was somebody that I that was around downtown uh, that I had known from downtown. Um, I was happy to see him um, get some progress with his, you know, film project at the time, obviously, because it wasn't completed yet, as he has to, you know, you have to do the, the pieces. And, um, and I think that it was a time when, and this is an interesting thing for me, because a lot of the kind of uh, Black stuff or talk about Black punk, Black this, like, I mean, they, 
I'm black. I came, I grew up in the projects, so I both my parents are black. Doesn't really relate a lot to how I in, engage with music and in, in, in my conscious understanding. Um, so I've always kind of been interested when people talk about black this or black that, you know. Um, but I, I, I was happy to, to take part in, in Spooner's thing. And, and maybe, I mean, maybe there's a part of me that didn't understand why I was important or uh, maybe I, you know, was helping other people. I knew that maybe, I mean, maybe if I didn't see what I had, would I have been so comfortable, you know, to, to be in a band if I hadn't seen Jinzy on stage? Maybe not, you know? Um, so I think that there's something to the example in an environment where you might be an outlier uh, for visually or whatever it is, um, you know, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I like to be, I like to really try to ask myself, you know, if I, if my ethnicity is influencing this picture somehow, like, am I aware of that? Is it, am I doing using, I mean, I don't know. It's, a, it's an, it's an interesting thing. I've never thought of myself as a black punk rocker. I happen to be black and I happen to be, you know, in the punk. So I enjoy the conversations. Um, but I was interested to see what other people's thoughts were going to be and what they were going to kind of share about being quote unquote, you know, in black and in, in punk rock. I mean, you know, for you, that that's a, that's a part of, I mean, and, and you know what you're, I don't know what your experience was like. Like I was in your, I was going to shows by myself in New York and, you know, what, like what, how do, how do you relate to it? You know, it's a really good question because I'll put it this way. It felt like acceptance for being like an outsider. That was kind of a loner pretty much. And I felt like my solace in punk rock, really just rock music in general, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, um, it's just kind of funny with two interviewers interviewing each other at the same time. <laughs> it's conversation. This is how it should be. My, this is how I enjoy it. I don't want to be interviewed. I'm interested <laughs> in the conversation. I fucking dig this. But yeah, you know, and I found solace in original board. And speaking of which, were you actually on the original board or just in the movie? Was I on the board? Yeah, the old the the you know the no, website sure. you know the website for the there's a website for the movie that became, it was also a message board. That became like a community. Oh no, no oh no, no, I wasn't I wasn't a member of any uh kind of group or anything associated with that. Oh, okay, just asking. Yeah, you know, so I put it this way. It's kind of like, you know, a certain kind of feeling that it's tapped into that rap didn't really connect with. Because it felt like, rap made me feel like a fucking outsider, you know? Right. So well, I'll put it this way, certain kinds of rap, you know, like I'm the guy that grew up with DMX, Tech 9 and yes, yeah, I fucking love his Santa Claus growing up. Are you really surprised if a guy that fucking loves wrestling and basically metal? So much of a shock, you know? And like, uh, shit. So that's where I kind of found my solace in going to shows and everything. Eh, it's actually pretty cool. Kind of, I noticed the vibes were different, right? Like for example, at a rock show, it's a lot more casual, a lot more laid back, actually, right? You know, hip hop R and B shows, a goddamn dress code and everything, and yada yada yada. It's like, oh my god, good gracious, you know? It's like a more stuck up, if that makes sense or not. But I guess I guess it's a cultural thing, you know. And the rock stuff is almost like, hey, you know, just like hey, get a Get a shot of whiskey, enjoy yourself. That's what I noticed between the two. What was like the nineties hardcore scene like? Yeah, I mean I I enjoyed it. You know, I started going to shows by myself and uh I guess in eighty eighty seven or eighty eight. Um I enjoyed those shows. I, I was, you know, safe on my own. I got into 
skirmishes where I met my, you know, a lot of people that I've been friends with to this, you know, to this day, because we got into fights in the pit. Um, uh, you know, even me and Toby met because, like, I did a stage dive with him, or he did a stage dive one to me, and then we were, it was a pyramid club, and, you know, so, I mean, I met, I met a lot of, you know, we ended up being kind of, you know, friends, you know, for years, many years, in the pit, you know, in the, you know, super late 80s and early 90s, and so it was a friendly environment, I think the music, the music was great, um, there was definitely, um, there was definitely a lot of people dug into the imagining of what it could be musically and culturally and all that stuff. And there's a lot of great, uh, a lot of great bands. Um, and then to have it go from the hardcore kind of more into the alt stuff and like from Burn to Orange Line in the kind of early to mid nineties, that was a great treat. And obviously what came with that was, you know, the nineties as a genre of kind of alternative music, which I think, for me, the beauty of, of 90s music is it really incorporates everything that you like about music. You know, it's it's a bit gritty, it's got some music, it's got some pain, uh, it, it does something, you know, differently. Um, and then you can dance to a lot of, most of the 90s music you can kind of move around to, you know, uh, in a non-cheesy way, in your own way, you know. Um, and, and, and I think that that's, a, that's an important kind of thing to think about. It's like this, this era where where as much as bands were signing, record, record labels were signing bands, a band could just kind of do what it wanted to do in a weird sense. Um, so in that sense, it was wonderful. Uh, and I enjoyed the, the community there. And, and I wouldn't really know the 2000s, by the 2000s, the time, by the time the 2000s kind of came, I think I was taking a break from, from punk um, and going to shows and stuff like that pretty much. So I think my 90s experience is really all I can share. Sounds similar to a friend of mine, actually. All right, speaking of which, um, we have a few mutual friends, and one um, with mutual friends and associates. Does the name Hassan Hamin Assad ring a bell? Of course. All right, so that's, that's one of my boys, actually, right? And yeah. here's a funny story about it. Back in 2011 on Twitter, he asked the question, does anybody know the whereabouts of the lead singer for Orange 9mm and Burn, Shaka, was one of my boys from New York. I wonder what happened to him. So I was wondering, because it was kind of a, because I was just one discovering, like, you know, because I know him as the wrestler MVP, right? You know, but, you know, I didn't, but then I discovered, oh, he likes thrash, he likes hardcore, and great sense of humor, too. So I was wondering, do you have any memories with him? And uh, what was it like back, like, then? Um... I'm an MVP, Hassan, a wonderful brother at a warp tour show in Florida. Um, I think he had just gotten out. And I got off stage and I just saw him kind of standing like by the kind of um the um what's the era? I'm, I can't even I forgot what the shit's even called. It's been so long. What's the thing in between the people um barricade barricade? He was standing by the barricade. Wow, oh my god, the word barricade just fucking <laughs> escaped my memory. And I was like, yo, what's good? What are you up to? He's like, yo, man, like, he's like, I just got out, something, something. I was like, fuck, come chill. So I just invited him back, um, hung out with us, have a beer, whatever it was, you know. I don't, I'm not sure that, I don't know if he even drank that or, I mean, I'm just saying, well, I, I had a beer. Um, and he ended up just hanging out. I remember at one point he had like some lady on his shoulders and I was like, all right, you, you welcome home. <laughs> you know, it was just dope. Um, and, and, 
that's pretty much most of what I remember. We just we just had a, a you know a fun time hanging out in Florida that, that day that night. All right, cool. Yeah, because I remember like, because I guess of my own hubris and arrogance when you mentioned that, because I was like, okay, I'm gonna find Shaka Malik. Mm. Damn, that was hard. As, that was hard. I imagine because I was like, wow, this guy well, is. Here you got you. I'm here now. You're exactly. Here now. You know. So I was trying to find you stuff, and then you just pop back up on Twitter, like, well. So I was like, you know, speaking of Hassan, though, did you have any idea that that guy? You know, Florida, like, was he like a, like, oh, shit, I remember that guy. Did you, like, happen to watch TV one day? No, because I don't watch, I had stopped watching TV. Um, I got rid of my TV in, like, maybe 2000. And shit. You know, no, in 2011, no, I, had, I, I was, I got rid of my TV in 2008, 2009, 2009. Um, and I haven't been, I, I'm not somebody that's kind of historically checked wrestling out too much. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was happily surprised to see that his song was doing amazing in that world. Oh, yeah. That was wonderful news. One thing that was really, that kind of got me into, you know, rock was, you listen to things that are like just kind of similar to like what I'm used to, right? Like, okay, when, like I put it this way, like I knew about rock and everything, like I knew about the hair metal stuff, right? Because you kind of see it on the peripheries, right? But it's kind of like, okay, that's pretty cool, whatever, you know? But like uh, one thing that, of course, growing up in the 90s, the kind of coming, like, you know, coming to teenage years and kind of scoring the kind of music you like was one thing with the new metal thing and the rap metal thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, one thing about it is, well, it got more into hardcore and everything. I noticed, though, that the stuff that I knew as rap metal is like, okay, they call it hardcore, too, I guess. So, is there a difference between, like, rap metal and hardcore, or is it just, like, just branding? I think there is a difference. I mean, I think that, um, I think that rap metal is just as it sounds. It's, it's rap and it's metal. I think that in hardcore, which, as we spoke earlier, can, you know, spans and runs the gamut. From you know, kraut to fucking crackdown to sick of it all to burn to you know uh, rest in pieces to madball to chromax to af to I mean <laughs> wisdom and chains to you know what I mean there's all these bands that and you know use it today and these bands don't sound alike but the one thing that they have in common in my opinion opinion is um is it so there's maybe there's a combination of vulnerability and aggression maybe uh in different measures meets and measures um where i think that and i think and you performing through that lens in any hardcore band regardless of your sound but i think as a rap metal band i think you're more performing from the perspective of one that is looking to stay true to a genre rather than or a new genre or a version genre rather than to the you know um aesthetic of, of or the, the, the mental aesthetic of the community or band they come from you know i think rap metal is more likely to be interested in branding not that branding branding is wonderful branding allows allows people to, to learn about you and and check you out because hey you know you know i agree with those thoughts that way of looking at life i'm going to try this product you know but i think the thing about the hardcore stuff is that we're 
I think there's a, uh, we have a better propensity or a higher chance to be living in, I think, a more present moment awareness in a, sen in a certain sense, or ignoring societal norms. And I think either one of those can be kind of quote unquote hardcore or punk. Or I think other genres seek to continue a tradition, rap metal, rap and metal. You know, you put those two things together and you got rap metal. You could almost figure it out. Like if I say hardcore, you, you can say, well, I guess maybe it's going to be hard. Maybe it's going to be positive. Maybe it's going to be beat down. You know what I mean? I think there's a lot more space in hardcore than there is in rap metal. Um, and there's nothing wrong with rap. Rap metal is a wonderful genre, you know, of expression. But I think hardcore is more punk and, and that's more... I think it's more a little more honest uh, to uh, honest to the artist to himself to his or herself i can see that too you know i was wondering too because one band i really got into because you know because all right because you know there were a lot of people that got into orange nine millimeter because they file sharing right i have i have no idea here's the deal okay so when orange nine millimeter was you know, was 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 hitting in the nineties and whatnot, right? You had the new metal thing. Not trying to compare, right? But there was this thing in file sharing. People will just do a mislabel shit, right? So somebody write corn, and it's actually Orange Nine Millimeter song, right? So a lot of people got exposed to Orange Nine Millimeter because they were looking for Limp Bizkit or Corn or whatever, right? And they find y'all. And truth be told, is though, I always felt that bands like Orange Nine Millimeter did what the new metal guys were trying to do so you know, trying to do it, but y'all got it right though. You know? You know, I and what I will share is I, I do I do enjoy our approach to something that can play in that in that world uh more than some other groups. I think obviously Rage, obviously the, the kind of king of that genre, the wonderful job of that. And I think that they're honest about it. They've attached something that they believe in, which is the kind of the socio-political thing. Uh, which gives them a wonderful way to be true to themselves, and I think that's that's really the best, the biggest part. You know, being true to your, being true to yourself. You know, I think hardcore is more like is just more true. So that comes from hardcore, obviously, as you know. Exactly. So. All right. So, but speaking about Orange Nine Millimeter and Burn, right? What would you say the differences between the two? In what sense? I mean, just like sound wise, approach wise, like what would you say the differences were between I mean, the I mean, two? Those, they're, 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 I mean, that's, I don't know. They're different. It's a different concept. They're, they're different people, different time. There's, there's no, there's no, there's, you couldn't, there, it's nothing to compare. Um, you know, um, I would, I wouldn't think I will say about, about from, from my perspective, from the lens that I was looking at things through, I had um, gained some experience, you know, performing and, and, and humming riffs. Uh, I just picked up a guitar, so the I was able to play some chords that ended up getting used, you know. Um, and Chris added a little piece of ass to it. Um, I was able to, you know, use my awareness and expertise to to hum out drum parts that, you know, were unique that would not have been the part. Um, so I think, in that sense, that the, the creative process for Orange Nine was a lot more included, a lot more of my self than it did in burn initially um and that's not i mean chris's those guitar parts for for the most part you know but that's all i mean i mean chris is a, an incredible guitar player um but yeah like on that ep like i hum i played those chords for can't decide i played that whole chord through that he's kind of 
he's playing, he's breaking the chord up into the, uh, 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 uh. I was just playing, uh, uh, uh. I was playing the whole chord through and he switched that and there was like something in, um, in uh, uh, cutting and draining where I was like, I was playing these two chords and he was like, oh, like, and he took it and kind of and fixed it up. And but the other like driver, all that shit, like, like those riffs that like are very Chris Trainery, like he's a great guitar player. He created that vibe and that sound and he, you know, so I, I definitely give him props, you know, for that. Um, but Gavin created his own thing as well. You know, Gavin was coming out of uh, um, Absolution. Um, and, you know, and there was a lot of, I, at that, I, I believe at that time, uh, Motorhead and Discharge and that stuff. I mean, been his um, kind of, you know, mood board, musical dream board. And that stuff was kind of being made manifest and it became a sound. And for Chris, it was uh, smashing pumpkins and helmet, you know? And I think that if you look at those things, you say, yeah, that makes sense. All right. So typical one, biggest influence vocally. Ah, biggest influence vocally. Um, as I shared, and I will always give Jinji props. He was definitely uh, an inspiration to me kind of coming into hardcore. Um, John Joseph, so Thera from Crucifix. Um, you know, outside of hardcore, I like, you know, uh, Prince, Bowie. Um, fuck, who else? Let me think. Fuck, 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 fuck. I feel like that's Fela now. Fela, even though, like, and I, I mind you, I'm not trying to sing like any of these people. No, but it's an inspiration, right? These people make me want to sing. I'll put it that way. They make me want to sing. I like that. Um, so that, that's uh, you know, I Fela makes me want to join in and sing something with you know what I mean. Like he wants you want to get with Fela when he gets all excited. Oh know? yeah, I totally get that. Uh, you know, and he just the way he hits it, it's like it's almost like dance hall, but it's like punk. You know what I mean? I do. So the, and there's certain with and with Fela, there's certain songs. I mean, there's certain things that Fela put it on. I'm not inspired by it. Not because it's not good. It's just not good for me now. Like I'm looking when it comes to music. It's almost like when you're at the pizzeria and you like have three favorite toppings that you fuck with, and you're like, you know, you know today you want onions, you you know today you want olives, you know today you want mushrooms. But the guy at the pizzeria fucks it up and gives you, you know, what you don't want. You like honestly be like. I just, I, I want the fucking olives only be like, that's what I'm fucking craving right now. That's what I like with music. Like, I don't, I generally don't listen to something, even the stuff that I historically like, if it's not, if I'm not liking it with energy and vigor and in that moment. Um, just because it's, I mean, time, I mean, it's just not fun. Um, and there's a fail of stuff for me that does not move me. Um, um, Sorrow, Tears, and Blood is the one that's moving me right now. And there's one more that my mom likes. Uh, I forgot the name of it. But those those two ones right now get me. And there's a lot of ones that just seem really boring to me that I wouldn't listen to. You know? I feel you. Actually, it's kind of funny. I want to ask you this, too, about um, the new project of Ghost Decibels. How'd it come about? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm fucking... You know, I, I, I grew up with synthesizers in the house. My dad, you know, um, rest in peace, power, whatever people want to, want, want to say, what's better, you know, lands better in their consciousness. Um, but he had bought us a synth for the house um, when I was like, whatever, fucking 12 or 12 or some shit. So I had like, we had like a whatever, you know, 80, 60, 70 something key keyboard. 
and a Korg DDD1 drum machine. And we had already had four tracks, so that was there. So like, I grew up with synths in the house, you know? Um, so I've always kind of liked synths. Um, I've always kind of liked, uh, you know, uh, you know, so a lot of like pre-80s, you know, UK-ish stuff. Joy Division, kind of more than New Order for me. Oh yeah, um, oh yeah. But I still really, really, I enjoy the synths, and I enjoy synths when they're, because they're very, they can be very evocative, you know, synths. You know, you hit a, even just one key, it just has this sound, and it's, and it's fuzzy, and it's moving, and you're like, I want to crawl into that, you know. So, Ghost Festival is kind of born from my love for synths, uh, and my desire to kind of keep creating, you know, songs, even just for myself or whatever. So yeah, so I've had I've put out a bunch of music under the Ghost Festival stuff, and and that's something that's you know a work in progress and exploration. Um, and oddly, right now, like it's so weird. Like usually, I'm like, oh yeah, like my first should I? I mean, honestly, I think the first EP is, is of the Ghost Festival stuff. Um, I like some of the sounds that I was going for in that. I think some of the I'm still getting my songwriting together, you know. Um, but there's some stuff in there that's really really good. Oh no, it's guitar playing on there that. I don't, I don't even really play guitar that much. We're just getting back and playing guitar and bass. Um, but I, there, there's a, it just creates a, it, it gives me a platform to express myself, which I really like. I feel you. Hell, before I went full band style, I just one project of Sketch Malchus. I was trying to basically make something to sound like Scarface, Funkadelic, and Three Six Mafia doing Speed with Nine Inch Nails. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's like um, the inf- I like how it sounded, but uh, um, it's just one of those things where I got like a four track, you know. I didn't really know program shit, you know, like FL Studio or nothing like that, but I like a guitar and bass and everything, so to start with, like, these kind of stuff, they kept on saying, you make beats? No, do instrumental rock. You know, but people can comprehend the idea. All right, before we wrap it up, are you working anything new for Orange 9mm? Yeah, um, we're releasing um, one of our LPs called Pretend I'm Human. Um, we remastered it just that the guitars are a little bit louder. It's a little, it just sounds a little more aggressive. Um, than then the master that we had for it initially when it came out and whatever it was, 1999 or something. Um, so that's coming out. I think the pre-orders go up for that like next week. We also just re-released Tragic. Um, I think that's pretty much gone to, for the most part. Um, but if you could find one, grab it. Um, if, if that's something that you enjoy, that Orange 9, the, the second LP. Um, uh, you know, Chris and I, had, and Davide and I, right before this whole pandemic thing happened, uh, we're on email discussing getting together, you know, to, to you know, figure out some music. Um, so, we'll, so we'll see. But, you know, it's interesting how, like, we just, like, the, the country went from being no shows to, oh, shit, there's a show next week, you know, like, kind of overnight. Uh, so that's exciting. But I haven't rehearsed with anybody. I haven't gotten into a room with anybody. You know, I have this new band called, um, I have two new things. Um, one, actually three. Fuck. Um, I have um, this one, uh, these guys from out here that play with Corey Glover um, uh, in his dis- that Disciples of Verity Band. They have something um, called Cognitive, I'm sorry, called Swim the Current, and I'm singing um, on well, this song and possibly another. There's, I mean, I'm not really sure kind of what their history of, of it is with like the group, but they're kind of friends from up in Jersey, and this is a heavy song that comes out next, this coming Friday. Um, it's called cognitive dissonance uh and that's that's also uh, something i hope people will you know uh take a look at 
uh, Swim the Current is the band name. I'll post about it. Um, then I have another thing called Sex Proxy, P-R-O-X-C, uh, with a wonderful synthesis, um, modular Mary, Mary Ann Hedonia. Um, and that's really centered around uh, really dark, modular, synthesized beats or, or uh, synth sounds and sequences with me adding uh, beat elements and vocals and and looks like guitars. Um, and I just, we just debuted one song called Skin. I was on Walter from Quicksand Show. He has a show on bands, Channel 66 called New Directions that comes on Thursdays, every, every other Thursday. And we previewed a song called Skin. That's fucking hard as fuck. I mean, it's hard. Um, it's like, that's, and this is one of those things where like, she sent me the song, um, sent me the, um, the sense. I fucked with him in the computer. I edited, uh, uh, I took, she had like kind of like a drum and bass-ish kind of beat or something. And I, I yanked it out and put in um, this kind of slower, darker beat. Um, and then just went to the mic and just started, or it just opened my mouth. And I, I started singing like Sylvester and Prince. Um, so that, I mean, that honestly is some of the most emotional singing that I've ever done in my life. I think I love how it sounds. Um, so I have to add one more layer, but I'm going to get that out as soon as possible. And the final thing um, to mention is called uh, um, Tether Me. And it's with myself, um, a couple of a few other gentlemen, uh, Greg and, and uh, Charles from a band called Bystander. Uh, Greg was also in Trial. And Matt is a guy uh, kind of from the, the East Coast up here. Those guys are from the West Coast. And Tether Me is, is, is um, kind of a traditional sounding hardcore band um, with maybe, I mean, those, that's our inspiration, just regular hardcore. Um, and we're just really talking about, we talk about the, the, the kind of this union of opposites, but I almost think it's about, it's re, 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 evaluating confrontations, reevaluating disagreement, um, seeing the fire in the friction rather than just the annoyance in the friction and recognizing the energy there and that energy is potential, all energy is potential, right? So we can do whatever we like with it. So just like I shared before about, you know, me landing on Toby or vice versa and us you know, getting up to fight. And then I think it was like somebody, it was either like Siv or somebody was like, don't you guys know, you, wait, what? You guys, you, Chuck, you don't know Toby, Toby, you guys don't, you don't know each other? It's kind of that thing where these things all you, you see pushed on the computer, on Instagram, on, I don't have Facebook, so I couldn't tell you, but it's all America's at each other's throats, right? But that's just energy, right? So if we can say, okay, America is aware of where we're, we're hyper aware of each other, right? We can turn that hyper awareness from disdain into love. And even just a small twist of the dial in that direction for a few people will make a huge change. So tether me is really kind of about that um, or kind of born out of, out of that awareness, I think. Um, so yeah, then I have my F with me show, which is a long form video show where I had Sergio Vega from Quicksand Deftones as, as my first main host. Um, Riot's there is a musical act on that one. I had my boy Brian Starr. The next episode I had um, uh, uh, Jacob from Converge. Um, um, who else is on that one? Uh, Rebelmatic, you probably know the brothers, uh, Creaturenomics. Creature, yeah, that's my boy. I remember the first time I did it, like a review on him 
for my old website, Get Up on Rocker. And I remember, yeah. like, it would put up under Creaturenomics and also this band, Romatic. I saw them live. They were open up for um, Death and this other band called Thalo Blue. Cool. Thalo Blue is like, imagine The Clash if they read the autobiography of Malcolm X. Best way to describe them. That's what it sounds they like. probably did. But just to finish real quick, and the, the episode that's coming out most, the next episode coming out is Chris Train from Orange 9. Uh, as the main guest. And then I have Modular Mary as my musical guest. And I interview Walter, actually. Walter from Quicksand, Gorilla Biscuits. He interviews her from my uh, secluded location. And then I also, I brought on board, um, I had a new segment where um, I'm talking a bit about, oh, there's two people. There's one, there's uh, Freddie Alba, who's the, from the New Breed tape compilation, Urban Style Books. We talk about him from a well, we talk about wellness. He's a wellness practitioner via some of the uh, Asian medicine. Um, and then I had Jamie Bissonnette, who's an award-winning, um, you know, celebrity kind of chef guy, who's a Harper kid, um, who came up in that kind of, you know, Boston, Connecticut area. And it's just a nice, I mean, it's a nice long form show where you can, not nice, it's an amazing long form show where you could sit down and, and have people talk to you about real shit and be like, oh my God, like I can actually tune into something where people are having real conversations and, and rather than making things political, we're just talking and, and, and having real, real, real open conversations. It's really, it's, I think it's a beautiful thing. It makes me very happy, uh, you know, to, to, to kind of be a part of each episode that I release. That's what I'm doing. I did that because I was, I dig that because I was literally about to ask before you brought it up though, like how did it come about, you know? How did F with me come about? Um, yeah, because I I feel like there's there's this kind of um, homogenized kind of thought on the internet around a lot of social political topics, you know, whether it's you know behind some kind of a race based system where you're supposed to be, believe this way or something like that. I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do a podcast where I'm gonna talk about what I care about regardless of what anybody thinks, right? And then by the time like I actually got around to making it, starting to talk to people about being guests, I was like, I kind of don't really care about my opinion. I care about connection, you know? So I just decided to kind of focus in on that piece and, and it's been rewarding. So that's how it came about. Yeah, boom. Thanks, thanks for the talk. Thanks for considering me and having me on. No problem. Shoot. It's like you were a long time get. Technically, this was like damn near to like literally like 10 years in the making. Because <laughs> I hope it lives up to the hype. You know what? It has, you know, because I wouldn't because it's like, you know, it answered a few questions, you know, and was like, you know, because I was like, that was a fucking mystery to me, man. I'm just glad uh, you're, I'm just uh, glad you're good because I was really worried. I was like, oh, shit. Oh, man. I, think I appreciate that. Shoot, you know, shell. It's like for a second, I thought it was like, where the fuck is he? He's like, is he hanging with like Axel Rose and Sly Stone or something like that? Just chilling in the cut, drinking Mai Tais? Because y'all were hard to find. Goodness God. <laughs> I'm just saying. I would, I would be happy to uh, spend more time uh, vacationing with, with creative people, but that's. You know, let me take that back. Let me, let me, let me put that out there. Something that I'd like Shoot, to make Shoot, do out. that. Put it out there. You never know because I'm like. You know, it's like one thing I discovered is like a lot of the stuff that comes to me after the time, I'm like, it was a fucking joke. And next, you know, hey, it's kind of comfortable. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Shoot. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I guess I got to wrap it up and everything. So, is there anything else you want us to check out? You know, 
No, I mean, follow me on Instagram, ghost underscore decibels. Um, you know, check out those bands I mentioned. Uh, check out my video show, F With Me Show on YouTube. And um, your thoughts create your reality. So, you know, any negative self-talk or, or stuff like that, you know, it'd be, it'd be a blessing to to you to get to, and, and me and anyone that would have any negative thought about themselves or anyone else to get rid of that as soon as possible. I feel you. I feel you. I feel you completely. Well, great chatting with you. <laughs> you, you. You too, Sketch. Thanks so much. Have a great rest of your day, man. You too, man. Peace. Bye. Hey, that was Shaka Malik. Great to finally chat with him. Love to talk to him in the future. Until next time, take it easy and please use common sense.